You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Mountain Bike Radio, uh, where we talk with Natalie Collins of Pedal Fit, who is in the not-too-distant future going to be having her very own, brought to you by her podcast. Um, today we are at Physiotherapy? Physio Pro. Physio Pro. We're right um, in the Pedal Fit Studio. Which is where the Pedal Fit Studio is located in order to sit down and talk with her. This probably should go without saying, but welcome to, for those of you outside of the U.S. listening, roll your eyes now, but uh, this is stuff you shouldn't do without the help of your doctor, licensed physical therapist, professional bike fitter, yada, 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 yada. Professional don't, in quotes, <laughs> yeah, right. as we have learned. Don't listen to what we say and then then just go and do a bunch of changes for yourself. This is just general knowledge and general um, ideas and entertainment, if you will. This is not set in stone, universal, unilateral changes that everyone should make to their bicycle in order to be fitter, faster, more comfortable, which is all very subjective. Yes, I would agree with that. I think, Andrea, is this going to be entertaining for you? Is having this problem entertaining? Having my problem, having, being here today is entertaining, but having the, I'm glad you think so. having the problems I've experienced in the past, um, has been less than entertaining and has been expensive. Yes. Um, and it has been, Frustrating. Right. So do you need me to describe for our, our interview purposes? Yes, yes. So okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guide the way in the way of podcast speak because okay. I'm very new to this. And so I'm just going to be myself. I think you do a little podcast coaching for me. That's good. So basically, I'll interject and remind everyone that the most important thing and the hardest thing when you're doing any type of recording is to – you have to – Remember that while you're having a conversation with one another, in reality, what you're doing is having a conversation with a microphone. So remember to look at the mic. It's going to be very I don't think our audience has ever noticed when I've turned away from the microphone, but it does drive him totally bonkers. Oh, does it? So, oh, I hope we just drive him crazy the whole time. We're, we're what drives me this. bonkers is like, and those at home can't see this, but like my voice is this tall and your voice is that tall. So people, Ben's going to have a hell of a good time trying to make it where everyone can hear you. Okay. Well, oh. anyway, so, and I, I've talked about this on the JRA show a little bit, um, in the past, but I have had issues, um, starting probably, I started riding in 2006, probably around 2008, started having issues with my left foot going numb, uh, mostly the outer two toes. Um, I started of course with like, Oh, I need bigger shoes. So, um, got, you know, different shoes. I, you know, tried, um, a couple of different bike fits, um, tried, uh, you know, basically going for everything from like the very basic knee over pedal to a little more involved, um, like the, a person who was, um, certified in the specialized body geometry fit, um, a retool fit. Um, no one really made any appreciable changes. Um, even though I kind of felt, you know, this is something that has to do with bike fit. Uh, my knowledge of the human body is, I mean, it's probably more than what, um, most people's is with my education. And with but, your racing background, I think you get a better understanding of yourself. Right. When you're doing those types of 
activities. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so with those things, you know, it's like I have in my head. I know it's uh, a problem with a nerve in my body, and it's probably related to posture um, or overuse or something like that. But I, that's about where my knowledge stops. And so I went to uh, eventually after um, one time Marathon Nationals a few years ago um, had a really, really terrible race because I ended up walking um, probably a total of half an hour during the course of the race, just trying to get my left foot to stop hurting. And that was after climbing? Right. It was um, second. It was a two, two laps of a 25 mile course. And this was on the second lap periodically going up the climb, which took about an hour to get up the climb. Um, You know, so we're looking at probably three, hours into the race, um, you know, going up the climb, I would just have to periodically get off and walk because that was the only thing I could do to make my foot stop hurting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that ended up with travel and race entry and all that stuff. Um, that was a very, very expensive, um, outing Mm -hmm. to have screwed up by this problem that I was having. So I went to a doctor, um, through his diagnostics were, um, EMG, uh, nerve conductivity study, uh, MRIs of my low back, hip, and hamstring, um, and ultrasound. And he said on ultrasound, it looked like I had um, inflammation of the muscle around, or an old injury around the muscle, uh, in the muscle around my sciatic nerve and my hamstring. Mm-hmm. And then, but this was a new injury for you, right? Right, and this was a... So that's frustrating. I don't, like he said, old injury, and yeah. I didn't have any recollection of ever injuring that part of my body. Right. Um, and then so he, and he said that my uh, bursa under my ischial tuberosity was a little inflamed. Uh-huh. So, any, anytime somebody says that your problem is a bursa, you should run. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I, he, his solution was to um, inject the bursa with cortisone uh-huh. and then inject an anesthetic, a non-cortisone anesthetic around a hamstring in the area that he thought had been injured. Okay. And he said that that would prevent the muscle from becoming inflamed and irritating the sciatic nerve mm-hmm. um, after those long periods of riding. Right. So the reality of the, the hamstring directly irritating the sciatic nerve, just so you know, is slim. There are certain muscles that have a pretty good influence of the sciatic nerve. And so what I would just jump to is that now you've invested, we'll talk about cost, but the, the cost wasn't just how many times you had to get your credit card out, right? It was also that you you had been training for this race, and then you had a lot of hopes for it. And you before the race, you'd done many bike fits. Is that right? Yes. So you'd spend a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And then the emotional component. And yeah. now what you're doing is you're taking all that effort and you're putting it into a, a healthcare professional. So it seems like you're trying to do the right thing. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're assessing your problem. You're going, you're trying to, to fix the problem on the bike. And then you're also trying to get some help. Um from a medical professional. So so good job for you. I think your problem represents a lot of people's problem. And then, you know, here you should have a lot of answers. The answers you got were um, that you had a a bursa problem, right? And Mm -hmm. that your hamstring had an old injury and that's what was irritating your nerve. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And we found that out by doing an MRI and by, um, an EMG, nerve conduction velocity, which are two separate things. And then, uh, and your MRI wasn't just of your bursa. It was of your right. multiple areas. Yes. Right? 
So by this time, do you feel like you have an answer? Not really. No. So you had a lot of things go on and absolutely no answer. (laughs) That's so frustrating. And I think that's where a lot of people are. And so what did you do then? Were you ready to give up? Um, well, the, the anesthetic thing seemed to help a tiny bit. Oh, 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 we missed that part, didn't we? So you had an anesthetic. Right. He did the, the cortisone and anesthetic. And okay. that and, was. Just and he did this, cool. sorry to interrupt you, he did this as a diagnostic test. Is that right? So that was the approach. Let's, let's inject Try this, this and see if this works. And if it works, then we'll have a better idea of where your pain's coming from. And right. so where did he do the steroid injection? Uh, the steroid injection was into the bursa. Okay. And you got better? Um, well, he also at the same time did an anesthetic injection around that area of my hamstring. So directly into the, the belly of the hamstring? Yes. Because you were having pain in the hamstring, but then mm-hmm. your foot was going numb. Yes. And those always happened at the same time? Yes. Okay. And then we'll get into... We're, we're sort of jumping around here. That's all right. Some of it is because we've talked before this yeah. and I have a general idea of what's going on with you. And also, you know, I don't want to open too many cans of worms of you personally, but this isn't the way we would typically approach this. So, you know, keep that in mind. So I would just say that you're confused, frustrated, and yeah. So we took a quick break so we could raise the table that's holding their microphone. So uh, Natalie was saying they've been jumping around a little bit, and this is how you normally would not approach this. So how would we normally approach something like this? Well, let me give a a disclaimer, okay? I think Andrea has come here on her day off, which is really super cool among the many number of cool things that you do. And you came here on your day off to get some answers. And so one of our objectives is to give you some answers, The other objective is to not become so individualized that we confuse the hell out of the audience that's listening, and then it becomes something that they take and try to put themselves in a box. So the concepts of what you've gone through is the important part for me. I want people to understand the concept of being your own self-advocate. So I think that you're your own self-advocate because even though you got all these answers, you were frustrated. And the reason you were frustrated, it seems like, is because you had a little bit more knowledge about what was going on (laughs) with you, right? So we all have a better understanding of what's happening with ourselves. And healthcare traditionally has been that you need to take the information that's given to you and follow exactly what the course of um, recommendations that they give you. Well, now we have a bigger financial responsibility. We're paying higher deductibles, and there's a ton of information out there. Mm -hmm. And so there's a little bit of of being empowered as your own person and being your own self-advocate for healthcare. And then there's the equal amount of, I'm so frustrated because I've done what I was supposed to do, but I still have no better answers than when I first started. And now I'm frustrated, a little bit hopeless, and ready to just give up and just ride my bike, and who cares if my nerve is on fire all the time? You know? Because <laughs> you did exactly what you were supposed to do. Uh-huh. Except I would just interse- interject that you probably should have gone to a physical therapist at some point, and I will also introduce myself as a physical therapist. So I don't think we even established and that. And that is a big difference between you and 99% of the bike fitters out there, correct? Uh, that I'm a physical therapist? Yes. Okay, so I don't really concern myself with. Um, the qualifications of other bike fitters. And the biggest part of that is because I came from a completely different world. (laughs) And I didn't realize that until I got into this. And this has been a complete evolution of three years of um, 
throwing in the towel multiple times and then having people say, <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't give up. <laughs> and so I've been where you are on, you know, on the bike fitting side of, I've done everything I was supposed to do and I'm still just as frustrated. So, um, yes, I'm a physical therapist. I might be, um, rare. I don't know, but I think I am. <laughs> People have told me and, uh, I am a professional bike fitter. So, uh, and we can talk about my, my history at some other point, but we want to talk about yours. So, your pedigree. uh, is your pedigree. Yeah. Right. And Matt is over on the other side of the room playing with the butt measuring device while we talk. Just so you guys can get a oh, visual. Don't tell people I have that. Then they're going to be like, yes, I want to go to see her so she can tell me which, with the saddle that I need just by sitting on a cushy uh, <laughs> butt measuring device. There's so much more to it than that. We'll get into that. Um, so here we are. You've had the steroid injection. And that's something I really want to talk about is you know you have a nerve problem, but your healthcare professional wants to... Um, inject steroids into something that you don't feel like is a nerve problem. Is that right? Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, it, it's plausible. It sounds plausible when he says that could be part of your problem. Right. And I know that like a steroid shot is basically, it's a bandaid. Yes. It's just like sometimes let's, let's make sometimes. this somewhat temporarily stop being inflamed. Right. So traditionally in healthcare, we view, well, we view steroid injections as something that as you said, is a bit of a Band-Aid. And also we've been trying to use them diagnostically. When we talk about a nerve injury, though, nerves are thirsty for something that's going to make them feel better. So even if you don't uh, inject a nerve directly, nerves around that area can feel better by having some other tissue happy with steroids. So like the anesthetic could be the same way too, because the the hamstring injection was a non-steroid Mm-hmm. Just it made it feel like all the way numb for a few weeks. Numb completely, all the way to like your foot? it just no, no, okay. not all the way. Just like that area of my that hamstring was area. just like asleep, right? Kind of. So I could go on for probably about six hours talking to you about <laughs> anesthetics versus uh, steroid injections, and then the behavior of nerves, the behavior of muscles, um, and then the order of importance. So a nerve will always dictate a muscle's behavior. Now, sometimes a muscle will aggravate a nerve, but the nerve is ultimately the boss, right? It's sort of like a mother-in-law. I don't have one, so I can say this, but a mother-in-law is, uh, you might not know that you offended a mother-in-law, but that mother-in-law's mad at you for the rest of time, you know, or that you might offend that mother-in-law and she doesn't tell you for three years or something. And that's really the behavior of the nerve. So it, it, that's, that's really good. <laughs> it, it will dictate everything else's behavior. So if you have a nerve injury and you also have a muscle problem, I could argue that you would want to first look at the nerve. Okay. MRI is limited. Um, steroid injection limited as a diagnostic test. Um, radiographs or x-rays are limited and all those things we want to put our efforts into finding answers can be extremely exhausting because a lot of times they either come up with something that isn't related to what you're going through or is empty. You don't find any answers. Yeah. The only, like the MRI, he's like, well, it looks like you have a couple of degenerative discs in your back, but everyone does. So that's not your problem. Right. (laughs) And so that's actually very forward thinking the person that you went to. That's good that they told you that because a lot of healthcare professionals will say you have a herniated disc or you have a degenerative disc disorder. And then you're starving for an answer to your problem. So you're going to eat that up as a diagnosis and move forward. Mm-hmm. Right. So, okay, well, I have 
this. And so that's my problem when actually nothing's been provoked from that injury. So let's get back into talking about um, where you were at that time. So you were, did you still ride your bike? Yes. Okay. And I did. I went and I did Dirty Kanza. And, uh, oh, wow. So you, you went out and did probably the worst thing you could possibly do for your nerve. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, good. Well, what happened? Um, it, it didn't hurt until I was like way, way into the race, uh-huh. which was, it made me feel a little hopeful because I lasted far longer into a very long ride before anything started to hurt. Okay. And, but it did like around, I think it, I don't remember how many hours it took now because it was slightly traumatic and, uh, I blocked that out of my memory, but <laughs> I got third place overall. And, wow. Uh, yeah. Well, know, you didn't right? block that out, did you? Yeah, exactly. That was great. <laughs> I have a picture of me the day after the race shaking hands with the race director and uh-huh. you can see how dehydrated I am. Like you can see like every, my skin has been like shrink wrapped onto everything in my body. Oh wow. Like my forearms are, I mean, they're already like a little like you know, how they look now. And they were even more like, you could see every Yoked muscle. Up. Yeah. Like you see every <laughs> muscle in my arm, like reaching out and shaking this guy's That's hand. pretty cool. But yeah. So what you're saying is you should always do the dirty concept before you, uh, go live on TV. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a photo. So <laughs> oh, just a photo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, uh, I felt really terrible, but yeah. yeah, I was happy. And I had basically had a good, other than being super, everyone was dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people went to the hospital for dehydration oh, wow. and, uh, but it was good. And like the conditions were great and I got a good placing and it's like, good. I never have to do this again now. Right. I <laughs> can like, check that off. Of yeah. I checked that list. off of my list. <laughs> like that one's done. But yeah, like my foot didn't start hurting till I was like 10 hours in or something. I mean, or okay. like eight hours. It was like an hour or two from the finish. Like okay. it started to hurt. And I'm like, well, I can deal with this now because I'm already so tired everywhere else. Like getting off and walking isn't a huge deal sure. for like, you know, a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone's so spaced apart there too, because it's such a huge long race. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so since that was like in my mind was very effective, mm-hmm. um, he said, you know, and he, the doctor had told the, me the, uh, injection. Yeah. Okay. Um, which we he, did both of them. So we don't know which one, but yeah. you're thinking because you were numb on your hamstring that maybe it was the right. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm like, well, when it comes back, which he said that, you know, that's not permanent and it's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I should go back and get it done again. Mm-hmm. And I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, before previously he had, told me to not um, really do any strenuous activity a few days after the cortisone injection because of the chance of injury. Uh-huh. How many days after it did you do the dirty concept? Um, it was several weeks. Okay. It was, it was a, you know, like the injections had to get me through training, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so dirty concept was probably like a month after I got injected Okay. at the earliest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe a month or two later I went back and said, you know, that worked can I do it again? Because my foot's starting to hurt again when I go on long rides and he mm-hmm. did it. And he's like, well, we didn't do the cortisone this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you don't really have to take any days off. Mm. And, oh, wow. So he's still um, assuming that he used lidocaine was the anesthetic. Probably. Yeah, prob- I'm, I'm we don't guessing. know for sure, but yeah, <laughs> which actually to bring up a good point, what he could have done is a trigger point injection. And so a trigger point injection, I don't want to open too many cans of worms. I do functional dry needling. Um, a, tr- a trigger point injection is 
the same concept for those listeners who understand dry needling. Um, if not, listen to Pedal Fit Podcast and we'll explain to you yeah. what it is. <laughs> uh, but a trigger point injection is to go in and, and the overarching principle is to relax the muscle. And they found actually that doing dry needling and trigger point injections about the same. You don't have to use lidocaine. Although it feels really nice to be numb sometimes when you're having pain. So uh, I, I won't stand on either side of that argument. But... Um, that could have been what he did. Okay. Do you agree or, or um, it's possible. I mean, there okay. is like, there is a noticeable, like if I, if I'm rolling the muscle mm-hmm. or getting massage or anything, there is a noticeable lump in the muscle in that area Okay, that he was going after. Right. Um, but yeah, so I didn't take any days off of activity and I went like the next day to a kickboxing class. Oh wow. And I was doing a warm up and, mm-hmm. uh, doing like some side lunges or something. And yeah. just all of a sudden my hamstring just, I, I was like, I just really effed my hamstring up. Okay. Bad. So, and you say hamstring because your pain was right there at your yes, the back of your leg. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna look back on this and probably laugh after we figure yeah, out what's going on. That's great. With you, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. To, to do that. Um, and so we may not though. I'll, I'll uh, have my humble humble chakra open for that. <laughs> we might not look at, back on this and laugh. But so the whole time you've had pain all the way to your foot. Yes. Is that right? Uh-huh. And it works with the hamstring. So when your hamstring or what you identify as your hamstring hurts, your foot hurts. Right. Okay. It starts to go, it's kind of like an ache down the back of my leg and my foot will go numb. Your foot goes numb. And it's numbness and pain both. Okay. It's kind of like a a vice is on my toes, like my outer two toes. A vice meaning, does it feel like the muscles in that area like tighten up? It's just like something is like clamping down on my toes and like it's an immense amount of pressure, I guess. A pressure? A painful amount of pressure. Okay. All right. So what we'll, what we'll get into, um, not to go too far from the kickboxing class, because I think that will come back up when we start to assess you. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to do a really, really, really abbreviated assession, uh, assessment and, um, be a little bit isolated in my thinking just because we're on a radio show and I don't want to take you through the whole <laughs> assessment that I typically do for folks because, um, and so I just want you to know we may miss things. Okay. okay. So I do think that at some point you should come in and I should give you a full assessment. Okay. I think that we might make things pretty watered down and, and <laughs> a little complicated and we might end up pulling up other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a concept that I think is really important is thinking in an isolated way. So as healthcare professionals, we do this too. We think in a very isolated way. So like if it's a plumbing problem, it's a plumbing problem. It's, it's not a foundation problem or it's not a electrical problem. Well, the body doesn't work that way. You know, if, if it's a nerve problem, it's probably also a muscle problem. It's typically also a joint problem. It's typically also a bike problem. It's your problem. So (laughs) so we'll have to look at the, the whole thing, the entire picture, but in an isolated way, we'll look at this hamstring. Okay. Slash nerve, slash foot, all those things. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to do is something called a slump test. And there's very different ways of doing this. Okay. Uh, various different ways. Physical therapists are the ones that commonly do this. I don't want to start pushing physical therapy on people. I really value it. I help people, but there are other things out there that probably help people too. Okay, so I'm a physical therapist. I'm biased. I'm going to do it the way that I know. But that doesn't mean that I'm um, anti-every other conservative treatment. Okay? okay? We'll talk about that also on the Pedal Fit Podcast. But what I want to do is... Yep. 
So what we did is we took a, a brief pause where Natalie and Andrea went through about, I don't know, an hour or so of evaluation of Andrea's body from the uh, easiest way to describe it, from the brawl line down. And they found out lots of cool stuff rather than boring you with that cool here. Stuff. <laughs> I don't know it's if I call it cool. But well, <laughs> interesting, necessary, relevant information. Um, and rather than, I don't want to say boring you with it here, but bogging down this with it, uh, that is something that... Natalie will cover in the future, so we'll move forward now with kind of what they found and some of the things that uh, that Natalie will want Andrea to do in the future. So, yeah, so we started out um, like like Matt said, this was um, like a, a snippet of what a full on uh, medical bike fit assessment would be, but we found some very very um, interesting of stuff going on with my anatomy and with my body and with nerves and muscles and whatnot. Um, really briefly, do you want to just like go through um, what tests did you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you find? What were you looking for um, when you were poking around? What were you trying to poke? <laughs> um, yeah, just kind of just, just go through. We can just um, whatever order you want. It doesn't matter. Okay. So I'll start by saying we intended to pigeonhole this. So yes. w- we intended to do what you said not to do. Right. We didn't mind if we didn't find what we wanted to find, but we wanted to pigeonhole for time's sake and just for concept's sake. Right. So what we did is we jumped right into testing your nerve. So um, you thought you had a nerve problem. You were told that maybe you did, but it might have been caused by muscles, and that's all well and good. But we wanted to jump right into why you've had this since 2008. So we also did a little bit more subjective history, meaning we talked about um, – the course of action of this whole presentation of your problem. So 2008 was originally when you felt the foot pain. Yes. Um, we'll leave out a lot of details that we talked about in terms of how it came and went and what it was related to and all that jazz. But, um, and then more recently, 2013, what happened in 2013? Oh, and I got hit by a car. Oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's probably relevant. So, <laughs> right, so as we went through and we talked about um, your history, we found a lot of very interesting things. We won't put that on air because there's HIPAA. Oh, that's um, okay. Well, and, you know, all that stuff. But uh, we don't want somebody attacking you and knowing how to attack <laughs> you. That would be terrible, all the practice you've been I doing. I know all of her weaknesses. <laughs> right, so... Uh, but we don't want the whole world to know that. So um, anyway, we found that you did a slump test. What a slump test is, and I will give you a really, really short version, is um, we took that nerve and we put it on a bit of a stretch. And we did so by moving the head in a certain position, um, positioning the back in a certain position, the foot, the leg, all those things. And we, we essentially tensioned the nerve. We found that that brought on your pain. Yes. Pretty isolated test. Well, that only tells us that your pain is brought on by tensioning the nerve. So then we went from there and we tested the lower back. And we found some pretty interesting things in the lower back. Your uh, your left L5 screams to your hip, right? So when I push on your left L5, your hip hurts. Right. The front of your hip. Right. And that was confusing because you don't have hip pain, so what are we going to do with that information? But it all... We put a lot of different pieces of the puzzle together. Um, you had been told in the past that you had a leg link difference. We won't get into leg link difference because that's a really scary world in probably like five podcasts in and of itself. <laughs> um, but we found some things that were either structural versus functional leg link difference, meaning either your bones were a different length or your body had made it present like your bones were a different length. So muscles were tight um, in, in certain ways. Your nerve was aggravated, so it was kind of holding your 
back in a certain posture. You're posturing to look like you had a leg length difference. We won't go into the detail about whether or not it was a functional or structural, but the important concept is we found some things. Right. So um, we also had you do a little treatment. It's called a nerve glide. And we took that nerve and instead of stretching it like you would your hamstring, you know, go in there and really, really tug because the nerves do not like that. We uh, did what's called a glide. So we had you take that nerve and, and sort of floss, floss it. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, did that help you? Uh, it didn't really feel any different. Yeah, exactly. But the other thing did. Right. When we did it, though, right. what happened? You started to have... Hip pain. Hip pain in the right. front of your hip. So so because we'd gone through and we we did a much more detailed assessment than just checking your L5 vertebrae of your lower back, but we found that your L5 vertebrae causes hip pain, and then, believe it or not, when we tension the nerve, you have that same hip pain. So it's just a piece of the puzzle, but it's interesting. So then we went on and we talked about um, which position made you feel better. So actually going backwards or going into extension, Yes. we did repeated press-ups. And what happened then? I got better range of motion before, on the slump test, yes. before it started to feel bothered. Right. So we actually had to really work hard. Before, when you did the slump test, it was easy to find the pain. Yeah. You, you were... Let's say you had 100% of range of motion. You could only go through 50% of that range of motion. Then you, we reproduced your numbness and tingling in your foot and your hamstring pain. Yes. When we did the press-ups, did you have the numbness and tingling in your foot? I forget that part. It felt like hot and like it was going to. It's kind of like when it starts to wake up uh-huh. and you get really weird, odd sensations. Okay. Like it was that feeling. Okay. It was the tingling versus the numb part. Right. Okay. So, but you had to go through, I would say you had to go through 90% of that range of motion. So you had to get all the way down and really tension that nerve uh-huh. after just doing 15 press-ups. Right. So that's cool. That's really yeah. good information. So not only does that tell us about what happened um, when we did that particular treatment, but also it tells us quite a bit about what happens on the bike. Right. More importantly, what else did we find? Sort of opened up a whole can of worms. Oh, the hip like impingement. Hip, hip impingement, yeah. yeah. So let's not get too carried away with diagnosis because I think that's terrifying for people. Like they, everyone <laughs> yeah. wants a diagnosis. What's wrong? Yeah. Tell me uh, exactly what's wrong. Right, because knowing the name of what's wrong with you is definitely going to help. No, I shouldn't say that like that. But uh, the concept is. They don't know what to Google. I know. We don't know what to Google. And I get that. That's why I'm doing a podcast. I want to be able to get information out there um, that's not just a name of a problem, but is a concept of a problem. That's really what the Pedal Fit podcast is going to be about. It's not going to be about me being right or righteous. I could really care less about that. (laughs) I have a really supportive family, and they make me feel like I'm right, and that's all I need. But uh, the important concept is... um, that people know instead of names, they, they understand principles and, and concepts of what happens with them. So we found that you have some hip impingement, potentially, meaning the structure of your hip limits full range of motion. Right. You could be born with it, you may have, or maybe your muscles are tight and, and you can't do it. But um, do you want me to explain what hip impingement is? Or is that a little over the top? Oh, uh, no, we don't have to. Okay, we I'm sure you'll, you'll probably have a podcast about hip it, impingement. Entirely, I could, yeah, yeah. which... Uh, we'll see who listens to that. But the the big take-home fact uh, points are that it's chicken or egg. 
you're not able to go through full range of motion in your hips. In fact, you're only, you only really have about what 50%. And then you told me that you squat differently and you've always squatted differently. Right. And you didn't fit in in grade school because you couldn't keep your knees in the right position. <laughs> no, it was more no. like in, uh, in college when I, you know, like I, I started lifting weights in college and you know, I, I love squats and I feel like they're good, mm-hmm. but it's like, I don't want to, it's like I, I have to squat a little differently to be comfortable. Right. And it doesn't feel like it's bad different. It's just different. It's just a compensation. Different. Right. And so by different, you told me that that's that you like to bring your feet further apart right. and angle your toes away mm-hmm. from each other. And then um, you also like to round your lower back. Is that right? Right. When, and the only way I can not round my lower back is to have my feet wider and my toes pointed out. Then I can have a nice straight lower back. But if right. you're asking me to like bring my feet closer together and point my toes forward, then my lower back just, it, it just has to round. It can't do it that. Right. Yeah. Right. And so on the bike, we talked about how that relates to that squat right. that we just talked about. So right. what do you do on the bike that is different than what you've probably read online to do? Um, I <laughs> adjust my cleats so that my foot can rest in that same, like, comfortable angle. Like so turn, I, your, your heels come in towards the crank right, arm. And right. My heels turn in a little bit, and, uh, and I also keep my cleats moved to the very inside of my shoe so that my feet are as wide as possible. Okay. So it's, it all falls into that perfect picture. Now that particular picture that we just presented is just a, it doesn't have a whole lot of detail to it. It's a a very general concept, but it gives us a lot of direction when it comes to the bike fit part. So if I try to go in and I try to just automatically put you where I want to put you, what do you think is going to happen? If I'm narrowing your stance and then you (laughs) want to get aggressive, it's like doing that squat. Right. I'm going to really round my back and be really it's probably going to make all the little aches and pains that i felt are probably going to feel worse yes which you think are little aches and pains because (laughs) you told me earlier that you're pretty good at ignoring pain yeah yeah but the time when you weren't able to ride well you were able to ride your bike because you did dirty concept but the time that you felt like you shouldn't ride your bike right um maybe that was a, a big pain not as much intensity wise but it really impacted you yeah yeah and then i would i would argue that and maybe this isn't good to say on air but have you all right (laughs) have you changed how you ride since 2008 because you've had this problem no not really i try to not let that i mean other than just knowing that if i ride for a very long time i need to occasionally get off my bike and um just walk around a little bit okay like you know, if I just, I just know I need to, if possible, take little breaks. Okay. That's really all that's changed is I know that there's like, it's, it's outside of my realm of possibilities to mm-hmm. sit on a bike for five hours straight. Right. Without, well, realistically, how long do you think it's, you can sit on your bike without feeling that numbness and tingling? We kind of talked about that. We didn't talk about it. Um, enough. it seems kind of on average about like three to four hours. Okay. Four hours really seems to be like that point where it's definitely going to start bothering me. Like right. after four hours, it's like I, and, and I don't personally, I don't feel like a four hour ride is like that big of a deal. Sure. Um, it's not something that you're missing at this point. Is that what you mean? Like you're okay not doing four no, hours? No, like, I mean, I feel like a four hour ride is like a good training, like a oh, solid gotcha. endurance yeah. training okay. ride that I should be able to sit on my bike for four hours and be pretty comfortable. I agree. And definitely like, you know, longer than that, like it's, I don't mind getting off and 
you know, resting a little, but I really want to be able to like knock out, you know, four hours of just saddle time. Sure. Absolutely. I would argue that beyond just the four hours of saddle time, there are things that you're doing on your bike to compensate for, um, what you have going on. So, Mm -hmm. you know, potentially you've already changed your cleat position. You've already done these things. I, I would argue that even with those changes, you might not be able to get as aggressive in your hips, meaning to, to flex as much as you want in the hips. If you tried to do that, I think your symptoms would come on a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. We found that extensions are going backwards was something that made your pain better. And flexion or going forward in the short term was something that made your pain worse. So then we talked about how that could influence your some of your yoga positions. So not doing as much forward, but, but more... Extension. Extension. Right. Or, or let's not say that you should do more extension, mm-hmm. but just be more aware in the moment of what's happening. So, mm-hmm. you know, even though it takes you four hours for your symptoms to come on, I don't think, I, I would imagine it comes on before that, but, you know, even though it doesn't take, uh, or it takes a while for your symptoms to come on on the bike, um, I can bring on your symptoms immediately. So you have a button to push that's really easy to push. (laughs) Your body is trying to do a lot of different things to not push that button. Right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, So I guess the next step would be, um, so if if I were a a patient of yours, Mm -hmm. we would get into, um, you know, like, the bike, like getting on the bike now and looking at assessing, kind of like I, I would assume that would be like, the assessments you just did on a table, mm-hmm. um, you would kind of do some similar um, type assessments on a bike. Absolutely. Um, I can't take off my PT hat, so I always yeah. have that on. Right. So the assessment never stops. I mean, sometimes people get on a bike. We might do this um, table, as we're calling it, yeah. assessment. <laughs> and then somebody might get on a bike and we found one more thing. And maybe that one more thing is actually the causing the victim of everything else. Then we do a little bit more assessment. The on-bike component, though, is a static assessment at first. So I'm going to assess how that person um, interacts with their bike, what position they're in, you know, relationships with contact points and um, posture and um, knee angles and, you know, everything you would expect from a bike fit. Mm-hmm. Well, I would hope. Um, and then from there I go and do a dynamic assessment. So that's really what matters. We can we can, you're in great shape. You can hold a certain position as long as you want. Is that, is that a problem for you? And so, uh, with a dynamic assessment, there's a period of time that I make people ride their bike before we even start checking because yes, yeah, I've always been a fan of that. So like, I always want to ride my bike to a bike fit because mm-hmm. I, I feel like if you're not a little bit tired, like you can hold yourself in a different position. Like mm-hmm. you don't see, you know, like people's core doesn't crumble after five mm-hmm. minutes of warming up. It's right. like after an hour or two of riding, that's when you start to like really sit in your real position. Yes. And you bring up a very hot topic. <laughs> you should not have to, your body should have a, a, a natural posture, which is healthy. Okay. So I'm not saying that let's put that aside. Your position on your bike should not cause you to have to hold something. So yes, your core is going to get weak. So if you're trying to hold a position to protect your back, to protect that, uh, feeling that you're getting a pinching in your hip um, to protect what we talked about was um, some shoulder numbness and tingling in your right hand. If your body's trying to hold you in a position that protects that, that's equally as disruptive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, that's why in the short term, 
Yes, bike fits are really important. I think everybody should have them. Are they as dangerous sometimes as <laughs> as not having them? Sure, I can see both sides of that argument. And I I don't want to have a whole lot of people that, um, you know, well, we won't get into that. But the point is you have to be an advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to start knowing what feels good and what doesn't. And then the biggest part of the take-home of this, what we call the table assessment for what we did for you today is that, you can start to take that information and say, oh, wow, you know, when she did this, this came on. And I just noticed that when I'm brushing my teeth and I'm just a little bit bent <laughs> over, I feel this really strange feeling in my the front of my left hip. Oh, and you can take that information and really make it your own. And then I want you to get back to me and say, guess what? You're full of crap. No, no, no. <laughs> guess what? I found this. Or guess what? I found that. And and. I started paying attention to where it hurt instead of just being like, I don't hurt anywhere. Right, (laughs) right. Because that's just, you've taught yourself to ignore things and just Uh deal with it. And um, I think that's why a lot of people, one, don't get bike fits. Two, don't do, um, I'll say physical therapy because that's what I do, but some sort of conservative. We fall into the habit of wanting a quick fix. And the Mm -hmm. reason for that is because it's really scary to open (laughs) up. I mean, when you came in the door, you probably assumed that I was going to say, oh, you're compensating. You're doing this. We found this. I mean, that, and I'm putting words in your mouth and I shouldn't do that. And I apologize, but that's what I find with a lot of people. And there's a fear that, oh, great. I'm going to have so much ownership and so much responsibility after I go. (laughs) And I'm already too busy. And I I think that's why people want like a quick fix, kind of like I'm going to pay this much money for a bike fit and they're going to put some little, some reflectors on my joints and (laughs) videotape me and all of my problems are going to be solved. Right. And it's obviously not that simple. Sure. And it's way scarier to be like, no, we're going to really see what happens in your body. Yeah. And then we're going to put you on a bike and see how that affects you on your bike. Like, and how you have to change how you, you know, your fit on your bike to allow for what happens in your body or help fix what happens in your body or to work with what happens in your body. And it's like, no, no, I just wanted like, I just wanted you to fix me. I just wanted you to like put a (laughs) shim in my shoe and like, you know, like lower my seat half and half a millimeter. Right. That's not, yeah. And so to, to box this all up and, and really tell you why I do it the way I do it. Um, there's quite a bit of hands-on time, Mm -hmm. but what you, you accelerate, you should leave here at a higher cadence, (laughs) not literally on the bike, Potentially, but um, you should leave here with so much momentum that um, one, you have the answers. Hopefully, I don't want to make people promises that I can't keep. I mean, sometimes I can't help people, but I like to help them get to the right person who can or find the right resources or whatever. Um, It's time that people take responsibility for the right answers. You know, you, you can't, we can't fix your hamstring. If it's not a hamstring problem. Right. right. <laughs> and that's really frustrating, you know, um, for people. But there are easy ways to do this. And I have created what I think is the easiest way. And I don't want you to think that because we spent so much time on the table that there aren't quick fixes on the bike. There are. Right. Can I quick fix everyone on the bike? No. I would be potentially down the road causing them some problems. Mm-hmm. What I can do is I can get you as close to a quick fix on the bike, which is I typically think, well, I shouldn't say this as bold as I am, but potentially closer. Well, I have to be able to get you closer to a quick fix on the bike if I know that much about you. 
Right. And I'm not the only one that does it this way. So right. don't think that I think that. But um, that's the approach I take. So it's a little bit more time up front. It should cost you less in the end in terms of doctor bills, MRIs. And <laughs> Potentially. I can't promise you that because you get a bike fit with pedal fit that you won't have to pay for all these things and that you won't have to get new parts. But ideally, someone who is pretty knowledgeable like yourself, mm-hmm. what I find is people um, continue to buy products that they think may help them because you have pretty good intuition about yourself so and about bike products. So what would you do? You'd yeah. go and, and venture out and, and try to find a, a bike product of some sort that would help you. And that's expensive. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. Awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. So basically, like, when you do your podcast, um, you're going to all the things that we've said today, like, you know, this will be on the podcast. This will be on the podcast. Like, you've brought up a lot of things while we've been recording and off air that sound very interesting. I mean, honestly, like, I I was kind of wondering, like, how can you do a podcast, like a Mm -hmm. recurring podcast about just bike fit? And it's like, how could you not? Right. Right. And I think that same realization is why people get bike fit sometimes and other times don't. But I made notes. Oh, you're going to hold me to them, aren't you? Well, I'm going to help you. Good. I like help. You said you were going to talk about these things. Here's a, here's eight topics to talk about. So, yeah. And that's what I'm finding. So uh, Kevin Maston is, um, what do you say? He's the co-host? Is that what you say? Yeah, okay. co-host. It's a new world for me. So uh, <laughs> he's a very dear friend, and we're going to introduce ourselves in our first podcast. But uh, we sat down yesterday for a good deal of time. One, we had a hard time just figuring out how to get information you from the microphone not, to the computer. You are not the first ones <laughs> to have that problem. Uh, but more importantly, what we found is we have so much to talk about. I mean, this right. is really exciting. Yeah. I have a responsibility, though, as a physical therapist that I have to put it in a way that people can understand, like I've been saying over and over and over, concepts. Mm-hmm. And I, I, there's just a disclaimer that has to be understood that this podcast is to help people better serve themselves, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't want, but that's this okay. Is, this, we'll is find- not, this, this podcast does not constitute medical treatment. Is that usually what yeah. the, uh, the, the, the surgeon is? general's warning? <laughs> Everybody assumes that, but yet they do take it. And this information is dangerous. That's what I want people to know. And I helpful and dangerous. It, well, it's very helpful yeah. when you grasp from it, the, the concept of what we're talking about, you mm-hmm. know, the, the concept of my hamstring hurts is it my hamstring or is it not? And then is it an isolated problem or do I need to look elsewhere? Did fracturing my skull in second grade affect the whole left? Is that why if I'm going to get injured in a leg, it's always my left leg? Right. And so we found some information about that, not only by history, but also talking about some balance limitations. Right. That's how we came to consider that that could be a possibility. Yeah. And it's like, that's like, that was one of those things where it's like, it's like, have you had head and it, what significant injuries have you had? What about that time you you hurt your head when you were a kid? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't know that before we got into <laughs> I know, this. But, was, um, some the way some you things, were presented. Some things that you don't think would be relevant, and all of a sudden you're like, well, of course that's relevant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the concept is, I want to give people answers. Right. Those answers might not be as easily, you know, it's not like simple sugar. I can't just go on air and give everybody all this simple sugar that they can take and um, use immediately. But like, I'm sure the Apex Nutrition uh, podcast has talked about simple sugar. But um, it can't always just be immediately digestible. I mean, some of it has to be protein. Some of it has to be something that's sustained and that your body's going to use and that you are going to use to either find a good bike fitter 
or find a good physical therapist or a good conservative treatment um, option or find a neurologist, find an orthopedic. Start moving in the right direction mm-hmm. without feeling helpless. Kind of like Kevin and I did yesterday when we were trying to get the podcast to, <laughs> to launch. We had to listen to a little boy who I think was nine years old and lived in the UK telling us on YouTube how to do this. And, oh, that's so embarrassing that I admit that. But I do think that some people take the same approach to finding a comfortable position on the bike, and I want to be a solution for that. Cool. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, listen to the upcoming Pedal Fit PT podcast on Mountain Bike Radio. Um, they should be incredibly. I, I actually like this is one of the. I don't ever listen to podcasts, and this is mm-hmm. like I kind of want to listen to this one now. You just kind <laughs> of want to. You, no, that's, a, that's a big step for me. Oh, okay, that's a big step. All right. Well, I just have to. When Matt's like, I'm going to put a podcast on in the car, and I'm like, I'm going to fall asleep while I'm driving. <laughs> no. I think you're going to find this is a visceral podcast for you. You're going to want to yeah. listen to it every day, probably. <laughs> no. All right. Well, thanks for listening in. Thanks, everyone, and 